morning, everybody. Maybe, maybe we have some new faces in the crowd. We see it. When I say good morning, you say... Good morning. <laughs> okay, yes. First time I ever did that, if you're new here. Oh, thank you. Oh, couldn't be. All right. Uh, a few announcements this morning. Uh, first things first, after our service today, we have a fellowship meal prepared for us by Zach and Abby Binder. So stick around, fellowship, eat. Uh, always a good time. Uh, we have the usual uh, weekly things here, the touch point, the, the youth group meeting on Wednesday, all that good stuff. A few upcoming events, just to note, they'll be on the screen, I believe. Um, we have the Christmas story on December 11th, uh, and you can read about that there. We'll be playing the, the Christmas play from last year, and there'll be a little uh, addendum at the end. There'll be some... Uh, live stuff as well as the stuff in the video, so get excited for that. Um, on the 16th, we have a Christmas worship, worship gathering with Tim and Kathy Pomp, uh, located at the bridge. You can see that that's uh, across the street from Cantabria there at the, the uh, address on the screen. Uh, there'll be worship and dessert, coffee bar, all that good stuff. On Sunday, December 18th, we have Ken Dudley coming here and Bended Knee will be giving us a Christmas concert, exciting stuff. And then after the service, um, we are, all the ladies are, in, are uh, invited once again uh, to a baby shower for myself and my wife uh, with little girl on the way, if you didn't know, little girl on the way. We're very excited. And if you have any questions about that, you can ask Angie Modry. Uh, here there's some, maybe some trouble with some of the RSVP online stuff, but that's all right. Just, just let us know, ask us, come, fellowship, it'll be a good time. Uh, all right. So we want to move on because we have Pastor Larry Dorman with us. And we want to uh, give as much time as possible, but just a reminder that we do have our tithe boxes on the back for our giving. And I'm just going to say a prayer over it this morning. Jesus... We are so honored to be here today, and we know at this time of year especially, as we take the year into account, as we think about Christmas time, that there are many things to be anxious about. There are many things to be concerned for, uh, many things to just be uh, occupying our minds. But Jesus, in this time, I pray that each of us would keep our minds set on what you said that you were when you came all those years ago on that first Christmas. You said that you were Emmanuel. You said that you were God with us. And I just ask that you would open our eyes to the reality of that statement, that that is no less true today than it was thousands of years ago, that you are with us, that your life and goodness is with us, that your spirit dwells with us and guides us, teaches us, gives us wisdom, gives us peace, and gives us that sense of who you are in our lives every day. In and amongst all those things to be concerned about, I pray that we would keep our eyes on the miracle of who you are. And I just thank you for all the things around us that we can see and look at and say, that's God doing something good. That's God doing something amazing. That's God building something, building a life within, <laughs> within my wife. I can't believe it every day. I'm so thankful for what you are doing with our daughter. And I thank you before all these people for that gift, that good gift of life. But every one of us here has gifts of life that Jesus, you could be sowing into us through your spirit. Just let our eyes be open to that in this season. Be thankful to you in this season. In your name, 
I pray. Amen. Well, it's a delight to be introducing Pastor Larry Norman and his wife Becky is with us today as well. And we are part of a network of churches that's called Truebridge. And we've been that since about 2014, I think it has been. So it's like eight years already. And um, it's a network of churches, mainly in Minnesota. I think there's over 30 probably churches. And we get together like we'll be having a pastor's retreat in January at Brainerd. And then there's a conference we also have in April that's been at Marshall the last few years where our new leaders, Doug and Annie Wing, pastor a church there. And uh, so we're connected in that way. And it's like covering uh, for sharing together, uplifting each other. But um, Joyce mentioned one other thing about the Dormans, that we love them. But you know, that's what we've sensed from them very much, the love of God. You know, that's how we're supposed to be known in the body of Christ, right? And, uh, but that very definitely has been there from the Dormans to us. Uh, and I think many of us in the congregation have experienced that as well with them. But uh, we want to get to hear you here, so we're going to let you go, Larry. We'll have you come up and let's give him a warm welcome here on a cold day. Pretty cold. I think, yeah, I'm on, right? Good job, guys in the sound booth. Greetings, good morning. It really is our pleasure and privilege to be here with you. How many appreciated the worship this morning? Wow. You know, when you're, when you're the person that's got some notes and have sought the Lord, you feel something's on your heart, and you come to a worship service, and every song just ministers to you. That, that happened to me this morning. And uh, each one so in tune with what I believe God laid in my heart, um, the enemy can't take what we have, amen? Because we belong to him. And there was the one song, the one line in that song, I need to be reminded that I belong to you. And I feel like that's what I'm here this morning to do for you dear saints here at 10 Strike Community Church. I am going to remind you of some very important things this morning. And I'm gonna do it in a peculiar way. Um, I'm gonna start by sharing a little bit of my story and how I came to Christ uh, almost 46 years ago. So let's begin with a picture, if we can. That is me at 13 years old. Anybody know what kind of picture that is? Say it. That's my bar mitzvah picture. I grew up in a Jewish home in New York. Uh, it was not a particularly devout or pious home. My parents really, they followed some traditions. I was, went to Hebrew school, I was bar mitzvahed, but there was no real expression of faith. We didn't pray before meals. We didn't go to synagogue very often, just on the holidays. And I remember sitting in the, in the temple there and Rabbi Silver gave a speech about how important it is to be a good Jew. And I remembered, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be a really good Jew. I think that, that sounds good. And, and uh, I was moved, I felt, for 
a short time. We could show the next picture. It didn't last very long for me. But that's me four years later on the right. I'm the guy on the right. And that was natural, by the way. My mom didn't like it one bit. She called me the wild man. Get a haircut, you look like a wild man. I uh, heard that a number of times. That's Miami Beach, that's spring break, 1971. And I am thankful that though I did not know the Lord, he knew me and I survived that trip because there's some stories I could tell you about Miami Beach spring break. Yeah, so anyway, didn't really, wasn't a season where I was thinking about the Lord. Uh, you could take that picture down. <laughs> And we'll fast forward a couple years if we can. Let's put the next picture up. I met this blonde gal in the bottom of the Grand Canyon on a backpacking trip, and I thought she was so cool, I decided to marry her. And she's right there. Uh, and just so thankful. Anyway, God began to move in both of our hearts, and Becky and I were sensing that there was something missing in our life. Let me say that I had a few people from that 17-year-old picture in Miami Beach to when Becky and I got married and I was 23 and she was 19. I heard the gospel a few times. People would, God sent people, they share their faith in Christ. I remember the very first time was on the trip that I met Becky and it was in the Seattle area and, and um, this young couple began to share with me and my Jewish friend who were backpacking around the country together. And I just thought, this is ridiculous. How dare they, number one, tell me that I needed to believe like them. I'm Jewish and we don't believe in Jesus. And I, I didn't know what we really were supposed to believe, but I knew we weren't supposed to believe that. And you know, who are they to tell me how to be right with God? I was very offended, I was very arrogant, I was argumentative. And I also could not fathom why believing in a person who lived 2,000 years ago who died on the cross, what in the world could that have to do with me being right with God? Didn't make any sense to me. So I was very argumentative. I didn't, with my Jewish background, I did not want to believe in Jesus. Well, Becky's uh, sister ended up getting saved. This was... Uh, in the 70s, in the mid-70s, there really was a move of the Holy Spirit, and people were getting saved. A lot of people that looked like me in that other picture were getting saved. God's Spirit was moving. There were some tremendous things happening. Becky's sister got saved, and she was on fire for God, and she started talking to us about Jesus and how we needed Jesus. She also gave us an album, and I've got a little clip of a song that was on that album, and it drove me crazy. So if we could play that next frame there. Becky would play this album by Andrew Culver. I'll listen to this. There's no sitting on the fence. Now bear in mind, this is an English guy singing a country western song. 
That, first of all, doesn't go real far with me. Uh, sorry, all you country western fans. I like country western now, but there's no sitting on the fence. Either you're in or you're out. I hated that because according to this thing I'm hearing, I'm out because I don't believe in Jesus. And quite frankly, I don't want to believe in Jesus. But I started feeling some conviction that I needed to be a better person. I'll just do it my way. And I'll just be the kind of person that God wants me to be. And I actually had a fairly good idea of what that would be. Um, I believed God would want me to be honest. He'd want me to be caring and loving. He'd want me to be selfless and think of others before myself. And I thought, I'm just gonna be that kind of person. And I really started trying hard to be a good person that would make God happy. At this point in my life, I, we had my good friend Bernie, who was, um, I traveled with, left New York, and, um, and Bernie and I lived together, and he was on night shift, and we had a pie. Did you know that God can use a piece of pie to bring conviction into your life? Well, we had a pie, and we shared things. We lived together, and I had more pieces than he did, but I really liked the pie, and he was on night shift, and there was one piece left, and I really knew the right thing to do would be to save that piece for him. And guess what I did? I ate the piece of pie. <laughs> See, when I heard about sin, when I first heard the gospel, you're a sinner and you need to be forgiven, and I thought, I'm not a sinner, I'm a pretty nice guy, and when I compare myself to other people, I think I'm okay, I'm getting a passing grade, and I've never been arrested, I never killed, I never raped, I never did anything. That's, you know, if there's sin, that's sin. But when, when I knew that I should be saving this piece for my best friend, and I ate it, something happened inside where I realized there's something in me that is inherently selfish. And God began to use that as a springboard preparing my heart for his work in me. Um, it was also at that time that, um, anybody remember the movie Jesus of Nazareth? It was played, it was a made-for-TV movie. I was watching that every night. Becky was very interested in spiritual things more than me. And I said, sure, if you want to watch it, I'll watch it. And I was just playing it cool, but every night when I saw Jesus in that movie, I was getting enthralled and captivated by the person of Jesus Christ. Um, I also had, we had a friend that we were working with over in the Iron Range who knew me and was intimidated by me, but he gave Becky this book called The New Jews. And it was a book of, with eight testimonies of Jewish people who get, put their faith in Christ and became Messianic Jews or Hebrew Christians. Because I couldn't understand, I'm Jewish, how can I change what I was born, you know? But then when I read this book and saw that, it's, it's faith in Christ. You're not born a Christian by natural birth. A true Christian is one who has a spiritual birth, and it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, that that's what really counts, is a spiritual birth. And I, as I read that book, it was having a profound effect on me. The last picture, this, is, this was a year and a half ago, 
And that is Becky and I over on the right with our youngest son. There's four of our adult children and 13 of our grandchildren. And we feel incredibly blessed. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. Anybody thankful that you could take that down now? Any, anybody glad here that God saved you? Amen? I think of that song. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. God has really shown me to, if it had not been for him, not the specifics of my future, but if I stayed on the path I was on, I would not be experiencing the abundant life that we are experiencing now. I want to share some scriptures with you in Romans chapter 5. We're going to jump into some really profound scriptures where Paul is explaining so much of the gospel and He's explaining sin. He's explaining in, here in Romans 5 um, the effect that two men have had on the human race. The first man is Adam and how his sin and fall affected every one of us, affected and infected us. And then the other man is Jesus Christ and his effect on the human race. So let's just dive in. Romans chapter 5, starting with verse 15. But there is a great difference Say great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. That's what Adam's sin, sin did. That's, that's what it did. But even greater, say even greater, is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different, say very different, from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation and death, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God. That means we're made righteous. That's what righteousness needs. By the way, the name of the sermon today is getting righteousness right, really understanding how we're made righteous. The result of God's made us, that, the result of that gift is it leads us to being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Say, even though. Even though. We are guilty of many sins. God's gracious gift makes us right with God, even though we're guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater, say even greater, even greater. is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Two men, two actions, one sinned, and his sin affected the whole human race and infected it, every one of us. Another one comes, totally righteous, he's the son of God, he's the Messiah of God, he's the savior of the world. He comes, lives the only perfect life, then willingly goes to the cross of Calvary, the only one who never sinned and never deserved judgment, spotless lamb of God. And when, when they came to arrest him, you know, Peter pulls out a sword, no way, and Jesus says, put the sword away. 
This is why I came. Christ would have it no other way but to go the distance and to give his life as a ransom and as a sacrifice, a pure and holy sacrifice to our Father God. The wrath, the punishment, the judgment for sin, he willingly took on himself. Very different men, very different things they did and very different things that lead to do two very different futures. One leads to condemnation and death. If we continue in sin and reject Christ, the other one leads to eternal life. And it leads to, Paul mentions two gifts here. Number one, the gift of forgiveness and the gift of righteousness. That's the path. That if you receive Jesus Christ, that's what happens. God cleanses you, takes Every sin, past, present, future, and pays for it in full with the life of his own son. God is just and holy. He couldn't just say, well, I'll just make believe sin never happened. We'll sweep it under the carpet. No, he doesn't do that. From the beginning of the ages, God's plan of salvation was in effect that he himself would come and pay for us and give his life for us so that we might live with him forever. Gift of forgiveness, gift of righteousness. Right standing with God. Even greater is God's amazing grace. Let me show you some scriptures that Paul, who God chose, the apostle Paul, was God's key person, wrote almost two-thirds of the New Testament, understood the law better than any of the other disciples and apostles who were fishermen, Paul was unique because he was a Pharisee. He was trained and schooled in the law. He knew it better than anyone. And he could really understand how Christ fulfilled the law. Paul would have had as a young boy probably the book of Isaiah almost fully memorized. And let, let's, let me share some of the verses from Isaiah. Isaiah 64, 6. We are all infected Say infected and impure with sin. This is the prophet Isaiah speaking on God's, for God. We are all infected and impure with sin. Say all. That's every one of us, folks. When we display our righteous deeds, in other words, when we come to God and, and give him our very best, this is the very best I could do. This is the very best of how I could live and please you, God. When we display our righteous deeds, here we are, my works, my righteousness. What are they? Filthy rags. You know, the scriptures talk about clothing a lot. You know, Jesus shared a parable of the wedding feast, and there was somebody in there who didn't have on the right wedding garment, and the master said, what are you doing here? You don't have the right wedding garment on. Cast him out into outer darkness. It's really important to be dressed with the right thing, amen? But when we come to God with our very best by ourselves, when Larry Dorman was trying to please a holy God that he didn't know by his own works, you know what those works were? Filthy rags. We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Paul knew this too in Isaiah 61 and verse 10. There we are, right on. I am overwhelmed 
with joy in the Lord my God. For he, say he, he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and he has draped me in a robe of righteousness. See the difference in those two verses about being clothed? When it's we, they're filthy rags. When it's he, it's a robe of righteousness. One is works, our trying to please God in our own efforts, apart from believing in him and receiving his son. Apart from that, we are dressed in filthy rags. But when we come humbly to God and put our faith in his provision, his savior, his Messiah, Jesus Christ, he drapes us with a robe of righteousness. Are you tracking with me this morning? So I just want to encourage you. We could change the we and make it more personal. It's me or he. Who's it going to be? It's going to be he in our lives. Amen? So let me, if we could put that slide up. It's a quote. This is not from the Bible. This is a quote from me. Righteousness, folks. Right standing with God being declared. By the way, it's a legal term. It's closely connected to justified. Justified is also a legal term. It's being in a court of law. The gavel of the judge comes down and pronounces you not just not guilty, but the gavel comes down and pronounces you innocent. Innocent. We are made righteous. Righteousness is a gift we receive when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, God's provision to pay for our sin, to erase and wash away that infection that we all had. And he makes us righteous by his grace. Righteousness is a gift we receive. It is not a reward we achieve. Okay? We good? Somebody say yes. Okay. I want to go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. One of Paul's greatest struggles as an apostle and a, a, a foundational builder of the church of Jesus Christ began pretty early with a group of teachers out of Jerusalem called the Judaizers. The Judaizers were scribes, Pharisees, people who knew the word that had a faith that Jesus was the Messiah, but their faith was not fully founded in him. Their message was, you need to believe in Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, but you also must obey the law of Moses to be saved. It's not, grace alone is not good enough. You have to make an effort. You have to obey the law. And their pet, their pet doctrine in those days was circumcision. So it became a big issue when Gentile believers started coming into the church. These guys said, we have to circumcise them in order to be saved according to the law of Moses. So that was, that was the Judaizers. That was their message. Paul fought them vigorously. They, he realized they are the enemy of the true gospel. So let's read Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 1. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. We're going to go back to that. Just let that ring in your ears. Make sure you stay free, because it wasn't just these Christians 2,000 years ago. We often have a struggle to stay free. We'll get back to that. Make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. 
If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, and I'll just throw in there, or anything else that you do, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace and the true gospel that truly saves. You know, circumcision is not a big issue nowadays in our culture as Christians. But what are some things that we might do or we might think, I better do this. I better do it good enough. I better do it often enough to be right with God. How about read your Bible, take some time and pray, Hey, are those good things? Absolutely. How about come, coming to church with the saints, obeying the Bible, and not, not forsaking, as it says in Hebrews, don't forsake the gathering. Uh, but come, how many say it's a good thing to be faithful in church attendance? Really good. Faithful in your giving and your generosity? Really good. But let's just say all those things that are good. If you are counting on any of those to make you right with God, or to gain favor with God, you've slipped off the real path of being absolutely elated and thankful to God for saving you by his grace before you ever lifted a finger to do anything. All you did was the thing that it said in chapter five of Romans that we read, you received the gift. Salvation, the favor, the love of God has been poured out through Christ. There are people who reject it. There's people filling churches this morning that in their hearts, they've rejected the gospel. They, they, a lot of people go to churches where you don't hear the gospel. And they're going through religious motions. And if you were to ask them, when you die and you stand before God, what, what are you gonna say to him to let you into, why should he let you into heaven? You know what a lot of people who go to church say? Well, I, I try to be good. I try to do this. I try to go to church. I taught Sunday school. I, I, I. You know what? <laughs> They're all the wrong answer. It's not because I have done anything. Why would God let me into heaven? Because he provided the way through his son. Jesus came and lived the perfect life, died for me, gave his life for me. God worked in my heart, brought conviction. I saw I needed a savior and I just cried out to him in faith, Lord, save me. I'm gonna be led into heaven, not because I've done anything, but because he's done something for me. He's made the way. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground 
All that other ground is trusting in something else. It's sinking sand. Are you tracking with me this morning? Okay. First John 2, verse 1. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. You know, I used to read that verse, and I'd picture the courtroom scene that is it's painting, because the, the, the Bible really does paint a courtroom scene. God is what? He's judge, right? I mean, he's a lot of things, but he's also judge of all the earth. And everyone will stand before. It's appointed unto men to, to die once, and after that, face judgment. Now, praise God, when we're Christians, we're, we're not gonna stand at the great white throne, which is a judgment unto condemnation for those who have rejected the Lord. We have a different judgment. It's the Bema. It's the judgment seat of Christ where we'll be judged and rewarded for the lives we lived here on earth or not. The Bible says there's Christians who genuinely have a saving faith, but they lived for themselves and never really did anything. And it says their works will be burned up because they did them selfishly, never really served God. And, but they themselves will be saved. I don't want that to be any of us here. Amen? We all have gifts. We all have a calling on our lives. We're all called to live for Jesus, to be servants, to be sacrificial, to roll up our sleeves, do the things he's called us to do, not to get saved, but because we are saved. And there are rewards waiting for us. God has a tremendous plan for each one of our lives. But here's the courtroom scene. Here's the courtroom scene. If we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I always used to think, there's the enemy, he's there. And there's God, he's there. And there's Jesus, our advocate. You know what that word advocate means? It literally means defense attorney. He's the one that's pleading our case. And I, I used to picture the devil just railing every accusation against me, and there were plenty, things I'd done before I was a Christian, things I've done after a Christian. Every mean thing said, every person hurt by my insensitivity, all those kind of things. And there's Satan just railing. And then I picture Jesus going, Father, you know, Larry, he's just a little slow, doesn't get it. Could you just have a little more mercy on Larry? Just give him another chance. Just give him, give him a little more grace, Father. That's what I would picture as Jesus, my advocate, but that's not right at all. You know what is right? What is right is the enemy is there with his railing accusations, but Jesus, my advocate, says, Father, yeah, Larry did do those things, but Father, Larry also received me as his Savior and Lord and put his faith in me. And Father, our plan from the very beginning was that I would come and die and pay the price for all of Larry's sins. We've made the way for Larry to be completely forgiven, completely righteous, to charge him, Father, 
for these accusations of the devil would be to go against our word. And we're not going to do that. Our Oh, no, we're not going to do it. Innocent because of the blood of the lamb. Innocent because of the intercession of our Savior and Lord and his sacrifice for us. Brothers and sisters, we are saved by his grace. Washed in his blood, cleansed of all of our sins, draped, he has draped us with the robe of righteousness. And yes, we need to walk humbly before him. We need to regularly come and and receive that forgiveness and refresh ourselves in who Jesus is. But we are a people who are not living life every day with a sense of condemnation and guilt because we're not good enough. Guess what? We're not good enough. That's the gospel. But he's good enough. He stood in our place. He paid the price. So I I just have an offer. Actually, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And I also want to, they're going to sing a closing song that I've requested. Receiving his gracious gift changes us on the inside. See, the gospel, the intent of the gospel is not just to make our outward behavior better. The gospel changes us, changes us on the inside. Jesus said to Nicodemus, who was a law keeper, he was a Pharisee, a doctor of the law, you must be born again in John 3. What? Enter into my mother's womb? No, no, no. You need to be born again in your spirit. Inwardly, you need a born again transformation experience. That's what the gospel does when we humbly come to God and receive Jesus. It changes us on the inside, but it is not a free pass to sin. Rather, God's grace empowers us to live lives that glorify him. Being right with God because of grace. Why are you right with God? Because of grace. I know a lot of us, we feel better. We have a good week. I really read my Bible this week every day, and I prayed, and and I I didn't lose my temper, and, and somehow we think, God loves us more now because we had a good week. That's not it. God loves us with all of his love every day. Whether we have a good day or a bad day, he loves us. Being right with God because of his grace empowers us to do right as we walk with him and grow in him. Beloved, I just want us to be more infatuated and more enthralled with the glory of the gospel and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ this morning. I'm reminding you. So I wanna, I wanna give an opportunity right now. I mean, for years I'd live in this place of lesser freedom and too much condemnation and guilt that I just wasn't measuring up. I wasn't doing good enough. I wasn't you know, doing the good things enough and the bad things I was doing too much or, you know. If, if you want that mentality of righteousness by your works to be broken and you want to experience a deeper grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ, will you stand up? I'm going to pray for you right now. Anybody want to just stand up and say, I just want, I want to every day, I want to live and abide in the glorious gospel grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Put out your hands like you're receiving, okay? Praise God.
Father, I thank you for your wonderful children here at 10 Strike Community Church. Thank you, Lord, for this expression of your body, your family. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful worship this morning. Thank you for the songs we sang, and, and we're yours, Lord, because you've made us yours. It's, it's you. You've paid it all. You did it all. And Lord, right now, we renounce the idea that our actions and deeds can make you love us more and give us more favor. And we just receive the truth that you have poured out your favor. You have poured out your love. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Lord, we just from our hearts say we want to live properly according to your word in the true grace of the gospel that will empower us to do the things you've called us to do and live the way you want us to live. We lay down our own strivings and we just say, thank you for your great love and we love you. Mm -hmm. So I just pray that every condemning lie of the enemy be broken in the hearts and minds of your people and there just be a release of greater true from your heart, grace. In Jesus' name, amen. I ask the worship team to lead us in a closing song. It's a familiar one. And let's make this our prayer and our worship to the Lord. And then when it's over, Pastor Steve will come up and close the service.
salvation but now we don't want to fall back into that track we want to stay on the right track but we gotta be reminded sometimes just like Larry did today thank you Larry thank you so much hallelujah we receive it we receive it and God's blessings on all of you throughout this whole week that's before us. God's peace be on you. His joy and his love flowing out. Amen. And fellowship. And Joyce has something to you. Um, right after the service, those that are going to be moving this part of the stage to make way for the play uh, next week, and um, if you'll be gracious to those that are in, the actors and actresses in the play, when they come to the food line, we need them to go to the very front to eat because they're going to start play practice. So I know you'll all be gracious. <laughs> and so we do invite you all for, to stay for fellowship a meal together. And if anyone would like prayer here, Afterwards, please be free to come forward for prayer as well. God's blessing. 